you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. What's up, everybody? This is Peter Schrager. This is The Season with Peter Schrager. I am joined by my lovely podcast producer slash wingman slash engineer slash everything, Mr. Aaron Wong Kaufman. Also joined by Jason English from the iHeartMedia team in the house here in New York City on a Tuesday morning. And we're coming off a dramatic victory for the Cincinnati Bengals to keep their season alive against all odds where Jake Browning went into Jacksonville as a double-digit underdog and was able to get the best of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who were coming into the game with thoughts of a one seed and a bye and home field throughout the playoffs. Um, the Bengals win. They go to 6-6. Six and six. They're in last place in their division, and yet they're very much alive. They're the 11th seed right now, and above them are the Bills, who are a similar 6-6. Six and six. The Broncos, a similar 6-6. Six and six. The Texans, a 7-5, and five. and then this glut of teams... Steelers, Colts, Browns, who are all seven and five, but all have backup quarterbacks in at the moment. I see Browning and he was electric. He looked like he belonged out there. And I did a little work on Jake Browning before uh, he started last week against Pittsburgh. And Aaron, I could tell you, everyone I spoke to was like, oh, no, no, he's ready for this. I'm like, I will hear that all the time. He's ready for this. Jake Browning was awesome at the University of Washington. His sophomore season, he threw 40 touchdown passes for the Huskies and then was finishing sixth in the Heisman ballot. That was in 2016. All right, plays a couple more years, goes undrafted, ends up in Minnesota where he was with the Vikings for several seasons. Couldn't get on the field. Eventually, is signed by the Cincinnati Bengals and beats out Trevor Simeon for that backup role to Joe Burrow. Burrow goes down, they throw Browning in, but the key was this past offseason. I'm told that Jake Browning, this past offseason, knowing he was going to be playing with the Cincinnati Bengals and knowing that Joe Burrow and he were already developing this great relationship, he ended up working with Jordan Palmer, the same quarterbacks coach who works with Joe Burrow. Those guys got together this offseason, and if you watched on Monday night, I'm sorry if I'm just being too poetic or what, Jake Browning looked like Joe Burrow. Everything about him. The, the throwing motion, the confidence, the moxie. And then we get to Good Morning Football on Monday, and it's this great story. I think the the stat, and I might be wrong on this, but I think he was like either signed to a practice squad, cut, released, all this stuff, 20 different times in his NFL career already, meaning he's been bounced from active roster to practice squad to one team to another. So think about all those little paper cuts and to finally get a chance to be an NFL player. Like, you are ready to go. And when you get that opportunity, sometimes you lose 16 to 10 to the Pittsburgh Steelers in that first debut, and everyone says the season's over. And the second time, it's on Monday Night Football, you're a double-digit underdog, and you look like as you're as good as any NFL quarterback on the field. And 
get on Good Morning Football and we start talking about it and it kind of hits like Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of California. Okay, that's a big deal. Goes to University of Washington where he starts three years uh, for the Washington Huskies, a big program, a state school, a massive program. So you're the big man on campus in high school. You're the big man on campus in college. You get humbled a little bit, but you are an NFL player. And then you get thrown into the fire and it's like, oh, this guy was made for this. He is ready. His whole life he's been that dude. And he gets to going about swagger and leadership and poise and whether the guys can respond. You saw those Bengals players responding to him. I bring all this up because we go around the AFC specifically. And you're looking at teams. And you've got Tua with the Dolphins got Lamar Jackson with the Ravens. You've got, obviously, Mahomes with the Chiefs. And then you look at the other teams playing for the playoffs right now. The Jaguars, well, they're going to be without Trevor Lawrence. So does C.J. Beathard have it to get him a few wins? Can C.J. Beathard be that dude? The Steelers, they're without Kenny Pickett. Can Mitchell Trubisky be that guy? The Colts, they're without Anthony Richardson. Minshew's been an amazing story. Can he be that guy? The Browns, they're on to their second, third quarterback in Joe Flacco. And then there are those two teams that we were talking about earlier. Two teams that are sitting right above the Bengals. One of them's got a Super Bowl winning quarterback in the Denver Broncos, who has been there and done that, and a Super Bowl winning coach in Sean Payton, who has been there and done that. And then there's that sweet little 10 seed out of the 16 teams in the AFC. A 6-6 six and six team that nobody's talking about because everyone's written them off, and they've got an impossible schedule up ahead. Aaron, you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Buffalo Bills. You've got a bunch of backup quarterbacks limping into the playoffs. The Buffalo Bills have Josh Allen coming off a week 13 bye and the Kansas City Chiefs up ahead. I am sorry if I'm just banking on yesteryear or I'm looking at the Madden cover. You can't tell me that this Buffalo Bills team with Josh Allen and an AFC that is just riddled with backup quarterbacks at every position, can't make a run. I'm looking at the Buffalo Bills schedule right now. They've got the Chiefs, where they've won before an arrowhead in the regular season. That's this weekend, okay? Next weekend, they host the Cowboys. Following weekend, they go to LA for a Peacock NBC streaming game against the, the Chargers. And then they end with the Patriots and the Dolphins. That's about as tough a schedule you're going to get. As you're saying, the AFC is littered with backup quarterbacks. We're not facing any of them. I mean, except whatever is happening in New England at the time. That's the only one, though. We still have to face Mahomes, still have to face Dak, still have to face Herbert and Tua. And so I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic. I've got this Bills-Chiefs game circle. The Chiefs come in after a terrible loss in Lambeau, and everyone can point to the officiating, and they did on Monday morning, and that was overshadowing what Jordan Love did and also just how inept the Chiefs receivers look week in, week out. We thought we broke through with Rasheed Rice. It wasn't happening this week. I'm sorry. I'm looking at this playoff picture. It is so wide open. And if you were to tell me today that the Bengals, the Bills, the Broncos, or the Texans are going to make that playoffs instead of the Steelers, Colts, and Browns, I would say 100% possible and almost, almost like it will happen. One of those teams will get in. The NFL expanded the season to 18 games, but they also expanded the playoffs to seven teams. It makes for these next few weeks to be just downright wild. Just for your knowledge here, we're looking at this thing. We are now going into, what, week 14? That's what we're headed towards? There has been just one of the 32 teams eliminated, the Carolina Panthers. Right now, as we sit here, 
the two and ten Patriots have a path to the playoff. The 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 three and ten Cardinals they have a path to the playoffs. Seven seeds per conference. Not everyone can make it, but quite a bit can. And I I look at the Buffalo Bills with that ten seed. If they beat Kansas City, you better believe they're going to be the team du jour, and they're suddenly a seven and six team coming out of the bye, rested, ready to go. And if they lose. I'm not ready to say their season's over either. That is just how long this NFL campaign is. All right, that's my thought on the Jake Browning experience and and what we've got in the AFC. Real quick on the NFC, I got to say an, an apology, and that apology goes to everybody in Los Angeles. I have been the biggest Rams supporter for years. Since McVay got the job in, in 2016, uh, I've known Sean, you know, if you listen to the podcast for several years before that, Dear friend, this is the first year I ever didn't pick the Rams to go to the playoffs. I just didn't think there was a chance. I, there's just too much young talent. The Rams, they are 6-6. Six and six. They are on the bubble. They're the first team out of the playoffs right now. They are winners of four straight games. They are red hot. And they have a game in Baltimore this weekend. You better believe the Rams are coming in with a full head of steam and they think they can get this thing done. Yes, Nakua got banged up a little bit. I think he's going to play. Yes, we saw, uh, you know, obviously some younger players make have the games of their lives the last few weeks. Can they keep it going? We'll see. Bottom line is this. When it gets down to the nitty-gritty, I just talked about Josh Allen. Quarterbacks matter. And Matthew Stafford is playing really well. And head coaches matter. And Sean McVay can coach the hell out of a game. A couple years back when the Rams won the Super Bowl that year, they went into a rainy Baltimore and Odell Beckham had the game of his career, just making clutch pass and clutch catch after clutch catch late in the season. And the Rams were able to beat the Ravens that day, and that set them up for a nice little situation in the playoffs, seating-wise. Can they do it again? Can the Rams go into Baltimore and beat the Ravens, the Ravens who are coming off a bye and are fresh? I, I love the NFL season always, but this is where it gets real. It's post-Thanksgiving and it's when each game matters and we start looking at the geometry of it all and who's going to get in and who's going to be left sitting at home. The Rams, beyond this game, which is obviously a tough one, you're going up against the NFL's you know, maybe most potent offense uh, with what you've got in, in Baltimore. They, they host the Commanders. They host the Saints. They play the Giants. And then they play the Niners. There's a legit path that the Rams can win 10 games this season. You win 10 games in the NFC, you're in. Um, so it, it, this is where it comes to my apology. I didn't think they were going to tank. I just didn't think this was the year. I left the Rams out of the playoffs for the first time ever since McVay's been the coach. And here I am on uh, first week of December, and I'm regretting that decision. Uh, before the season, Aaron, who are your Super Bowl picks? Before my se- before the season, uh, I did Eagles-Bengals. Okay. Uh, I'm going to let you do a do-over right now, or you can stay the same and double down. Eagles, are you keeping with the Eagles, or would you change? After this weekend, I think I have to, you have to go San Francisco. They okay. looked... I think the first two drives, uh, I was texting my friend Ben Natan, who's the Eagles writer, and I was like, man, the Bills were doing more against the Eagles than the 49ers yeah. are. And then, uh, then the 49ers woke up, and they were unstoppable. And... Debo can do anything off to the side and Kittle's making catches and CMC's breaking runs and Ayuk is getting open and it's like, how do you withstand them? I, I don't understand. I don't get it. You just have to score more than, I mean, that's that's a dumb way. That's how football works. You just score more than the other team. But I think the 49ers <laughs> are incredible and I think that they are my number one so they would replace the Eagles. 
Bengals. We know they just wanted to say this beautiful soliloquy right. about Jake Browning, who, by the way, is the man. I, I watched this post-game press conference. Like, I kind of want to run through a wall for Jake Browning. Um, that said, you could move off from the Bengals. You could pick any other team right now as we head into week 14. Who are you rolling with in the AFC? I don't know. That's fair. I appreciate that, dude. Because the Dolphins just lit up another bad team, and it's like, what do we do with that? Uh, and the Ravens, as good as they've been, the Mark Andrews loss is huge. Like, Mark Andrews is the Kelsey for Baltimore. He he is so important to Lamar. Uh, say Flowers looks great. Odell Beckham's making catches. I still am holding out hope that Rashad Bateman will someday live up to his first-round draft pedigree. But the Ravens look great. Their defense is good. I just, I, I, I don't know how they do it without Andrews. And I don't know. I, I, I get it. Kansas they, City's they, they also, me. I don't know. Baltimore also loses in the playoffs a lot. Harbaugh won a Super Bowl 10 years ago, and since then there's been a lot of questionable playoff losses. The one to the Titans at home when they were the one seed, the trip to Buffalo where they didn't show up on a Saturday night, and of course you go to the Patriots games where they had 14-point lead in Foxborough. So it's like, I, yeah, I get it. Um, and you mentioned the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I like... Uh, Kelsey is still an incredible player, but I don't know if he is head and shoulders above everyone else anymore in the way that, like, he just... Pacheco looked amazing. Like, he just looked great. Um, it, but is are, are Pacheco and Kelsey enough? Like, they the receivers, like you were saying, Rasheed Rice was getting going, and then still there's just... There's a lot that Mahomes is... Not that Mahomes is leaving on the table, but the receivers are leaving on the table for Mahomes. Everyone's that's the same message everyone has. That's nothing new. Um, but I I have yet to be. Usually, I feel like I watch a Chiefs game and I'm just like, yeah, it doesn't matter. They're down yeah, in the third quarter. They're going to win, and they win. And I have yet to have that feeling this year. I think. I uh, said it on the show. I, a couple things. One, it last year we all were saying the same right. thing, and then. They all figured it out. Like in the Super Bowl, Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore were making big plays. And in the AFC Championship game, Marquez Valdez Scantling had the game of his life. And Juju was so good at some point. Hasn't happened yet for these guys. Um, I look at Zach Ertz as a big wild card. Like, where's Zach Ertz going to end up? Because I think he's still a very viable pass catcher. And obviously, there's a lot of ties to Philadelphia. And obviously, Baltimore needs a tight end. As we record this Tuesday morning, Zach Ertz is yet to sign. I said on Fox on Sunday, because I've heard that there has been some conversations, the Chiefs make so much sense to me. I, I could see that. I think he would be great. I mean, like... They need you, just a pass catcher. You see... Like, I know they have a lot of tight ends yep. and Kelsey no, and Noah, Noah Gray. Gray catches stuff for them. I think Ertz would be a safety valve, I think, is the word you used on Good Morning Football today. And that's perfect. Yeah. I chose the Chiefs and the Niners before this season. I will not move off the Niners. I'm tempted to move off the Chiefs, and the team I would move off for would actually be the Miami Dolphins. Mm. I just think they're so electric. And last week, what they did to Washington, the week before the Jets, like you cannot, here's what, you can only drive the car to the keys that you're given, if yeah. that makes sense. Yep. So like the schedule, they've played three really good teams at the times they played them, including the Bills, and they've lost those games. But you can't slight them for beating you know, bad teams the last few weeks. They've got the Titans on Monday night. No one's going to crown them for that. They've got the Jets the week after. No one's going to crown them for that. Dallas comes to town on Christmas Eve, which is actually a really fun game. I'm assuming that's a Fox Burkhart Olsen game. That's great. And then they finish with the Ravens and the Bills. So we're going to know. 
we'll know Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, and we'll know January 7th when they play the Bills. Like, is this team for real? But until then, you're probably going to have the same thoughts you have on them no matter what they do. Uh, but I would probably just stay with the Chiefs. I'm cool with my Niners Chiefs. Uh, and it's wild because I, I would assume Monday morning, a lot of people were throwing Jacksonville in there with how they're playing. Yeah. And then obviously Lawrence, Lawrence gets goes hurt. And, uh, and they don't win at home. Like, and their defense uh, just gave up a huge game like, we Browning, pick, too. So. You name the team, I'll pick it apart like a carcass, yeah. other than the 49ers right now. Uh, last thing, the the draft, if the draft were today, the Patriots would have the second overall pick. To see the Patriots lose 6 nothing in those Patriot Pat Red jerseys, and then to see the draft order and the Patriots second, and then to see the Patriots playing the Steelers. Those are two, like... Those are blue chip. Those are like, you know, U.S. Steel versus, you know, the... the, the Rockefellers. Rockefeller, yeah. Carnegie, you know, like, what a <laughs> game that's going to be. <laughs> Steelers Patriots. Sorry. I know and, Amazon. And, I think Amazon's a sponsor of the podcast. I think I, I'm just allowed to say it. Like, we all looked at that as, oh, my God, week 14, they gave Amazon Steelers Patriot? I, I don't know what happens in New England over the next six weeks. But I will say this. You're going to likely draft a quarterback so you have a new face of the franchise. If I were to say right now, if I thought, and I don't know if this, you know, Simmons always talks about the aggregators and they pull content. I don't think Bill Belichick's going to be the coach next year. Mm. I don't know how it goes down yet. I'll get all the information, I'm sure. I will work on it. But like, I don't see him coaching the New England Patriots next year. I mean, whether he walks away, whether he's fired, whether whatever, I don't know. I don't know how that, where he's going to be. Does he step away? I don't know. Let's just say from the, just look at like on paper, if I'm saying this, new quarterback, new coach. If Belichick leaves, that means new decision makers, meaning the front office, either someone's elevated and is now the new GM in the final say. So you're talking about potentially three different major changes in New England, which would be such a tidal wave. Um, but yeah, I don't think Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi is the quarterback next year. I don't think Bill Belichick's coaching the Patriots next year. And I don't think whoever is drafting that quarterback is necessarily the same person, which is Belichick or people that were drafting the last few draft classes. So that could be just a massive change in the NFL. And I said, uh, earlier this week. Like I remember when Parcells came and drafted Bledsoe and they got new uniforms and Kraft was a new owner and they got the new stadium a couple of years later. Like that was a major sea change and the Patriots became the Patriots. It's been 30 years. And I feel like there's big changes in New England. All right. You think that New England job, is that one of the assuming everything goes the way you said, where they're they're gonna be taking a quarterback, Belichick's gonna be out, there's gonna be a new GM, a new coach, maybe a whole overhaul of the front office. Is that the most attractive potential coaching gig? <laughs> Last week, we talked about all the potential coaching things that could I don't want to speculate too much, but like you look at some of the quarterbacks who could be... Like, I, I talked about Bryce Young last week. I think there's a, it's really attractive to want to coach Bryce Young. Maybe not as attractive as some of the other names that you hear tossed around. Like Justin Herbert is an incredible young quarterback. If you're a young offensive coach or if you're even an offensive coach or if you're an old-time coach who's being rehired or a retread, like if Staley loses his job, that's a really attractive, really attractive job. But you look at that Patriot logo, 
you look at the ownership, you look at the stability, you look at what the fan base is. Yeah, I think New England would be a really intriguing job. I don't know if they hire from the outside, though. I think that might be, um, that could be Mayo, Gerard Mayo mm-hmm. is the name you hear a lot. Um, but I would think that would be a really, really cool job to have. To work for the crafts would be would be something because that's just, I don't know, they throw resources at everything, there's stability and that fan base and just the history of the the franchise, it's legit. Washington's interesting if Ron loses his job because you're then on like the upswing with new ownership and a new fresh start and a new building. And um, that's a debate for a later date. Uh, we'll get there as we go. But today's guest works for the Philadelphia Eagles. He used to play for the Houston Texans. He used to play for the Eagles, used to play for the Rams. They ended his career with the Giants. And now he's doing cool stuff with the Eagles. He went from just being like in the front office to now kind of spreading his wings a little bit more. I think you're going to really like his story and you're really going to like to get to know him. Our guest this week on the season is Eagles front office member, Connor Barwin. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm excited about this week's guest. He's a former second round pick in the NFL who would go on to have a decade of uh, a career where he was one of the better linebackers of his generation. And then post-career, bounced around a little bit. What I want to do, became the special assistant to the general manager in Philadelphia. And now, a couple years after doing that, Connor Barwin, his title is the director of player development for the Philadelphia Eagles. And he is joining us today on the season with Peter Schrager. What's up, Connor? What's up, Peter? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I love having you on. Um, one of the main reasons we're doing this and we're linking up is because of this Philly special Christmas special of 2023. Now, you might, as listeners, have heard about this. This is the brainchild of not only Connor Barwin, but of Jason Kelsey. Um, and if you're not aware of what it is, Connor, why don't you give us just an idea of what the Philly special Christmas special is? Yeah, yeah. So. Two summers ago, I was in the locker room and Kelsey's, you know, Kelsey and Lane were there and uh, they said, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe sometime we should make a Christmas record. And I was like, guys, we should do it right now. Like, <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah. In the middle like, of the summer. I was like, I was like, that's a good idea. Let's just do it right now. You, Lane and Jordan Mila, you guys can all sing. Um, and so I called Charlie Hall from the War on Drugs um, and he was like, yeah, I can help you guys do it. Long story short, we got together. And so we put out this record last year. Um, you can see. And I was hoping like people would like the music and maybe we would raise $50,000 um, to charity. And that was it. Like when we first met, they were like, let's make, let's make it serious and make like really good yep. music. Let's have a lot of fun doing it. And then let's do something good with it around the holidays. And so I was like, ah, yeah. $50,000, that'd be awesome. Cool goal. Fast yeah. forward, people loved it. Uh, the Eagles had a great season. That helped. We obviously lost in the Super Bowl. But we sold, you know, over 20,000 
<laughs> records and we donated uh, over one almost 1.3 million dollars to philadelphia organizations and so fast forward we were like well we should do this again uh and now this second uh volume is out which is 11 songs um an original song written by jason and uh we've already doubled all our sales from last year uh, and they're still on sale now all right, you just kind of blew past the first part. You're like, yeah, so I called Charlie Hall from the War on Drugs, which is, you know, if you're not familiar, go find him on Spotify or wherever. One of the most popular bands of the last 10 years. Like, you must have had a relationship with him. Are they a Philly band? Yeah, they're a Philly band. Um, I knew Charlie. So my background, I have a foundation in Philly, and I started in 2013, and I have a, a, a show every summer. And the War on Drugs uh, played MTWB, my, the, my benefit show, in 20. It's actually funny. It was 2017. It was the year I, I left Philly and I was playing in Los Angeles. It was the one concert we ever had where I wasn't physically there, but I had booked it a whole year ahead of time. So anyways, Charlie, that's how I got to know Charlie and the whole band uh, and became friends with Charlie. Uh, and I I just knew how connected he was in the music scene in Philadelphia. Philly has a, a really big music scene, a great music scene, great music history. And he was the perfect person to call. Uh, to make this happen. I mean, he could put it all together. He has sort of the vision. Um, and then he knew all the musicians to call to help help make it happen. So uh, it would not have happened without Charlie Hall. Yeah. Uh, you've got a really cool history with Kelsey. You guys went to college together at Cincinnati and you played ball with him. Obviously now people's sexiest man, the whole thing is Brothers Dayton, Taylor Swift. But you know Kelsey from his teenage years. Yeah. Uh, talk about your friendship and kind of the man that he's become and how you've seen him grow and mature and the two of your friendship now as you're working for the Eagles now for four years and he's still one of the star players. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really cool. Really happy for him and his family. Um, he, you know, I don't want to say he hasn't changed from when he was a walk on at UC cause he's definitely changed and grown, but he is still sort of fundamentally the core, the core person that he was when I met him. Um, this like smart, creative, articulate, extremely hard worker, humble, like all of that from when he was a walk on at UC to getting a scholarship to winning a Super Bowl with the Eagles to, you know, putting out, you know, a movie last year to the number one podcast. I mean, all of it, all those things he hasn't changed, but so happy for him, his family. Um, and, you know, we were working on stuff together. I mean, we, we started a record label together to make this this record. Uh, we started a production company to sort of put out his his document film last year. Um, so the guy is super smart, um, really creative, like I said, and it's been it's been you know a pleasure for me to sort of work with him and help him sort of take these these ideas he has uh, and turn them into something something real. You've always been such a a big thinker, but also um, I, I would say a renaissance man in a way. Like I remember when we interview you and you were on the Texans, you were always doing stuff in that community with the Eagles. I remember there was a lot of stuff you did with like the playgrounds in Philadelphia. That was a big initiative of yours. Um, you always seem to get it when you were a current player. Where does that come from? How did you always know that this, there's, this is more than just a sports and I'm going to use this platform to do bigger and better things? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, my parents were sort of like, always engaged and pushed us, pushed me and my brothers to do stuff. I, I just, you know, fo I love football. Like I'm, I still spend all my time on football yeah. and it's the greatest, but, uh, I do think 
doing other stuff outside of football complements my ability to sort of be good at football, even in my post-playing days. Like I think having sort of some business stuff going on keeps my mind sort of energized and creative and all of it, you know, is you, it all sort of works together and fits together. So I'm just, you know, trying to find opportunities to create things that, you know, people enjoy. Um, and, you know, in the end, I think it benefits, you know, what I do, you know, day to day still being involved in football. Um, if the listeners are like, I remember Connor, you were awesome. Like 2011, you were a defensive player of the month in November. You That season, you had... 11 and a half sacks. You played in all 16 games. And these were Texans teams that were going to the playoffs every year. We were rolling back. That was J.J. Watt's first couple of years. Uh, Brian Cushing, D'Amico Ryans. I mean, we were loaded. Mario Williams. If anybody remembers the uh, the Letterman jackets, that was my dumb ass and Sean Cody bringing the Letterman jacket. We went to... So was that your idea? The history goes, you guys are going up to Foxborough. It's a big game against the Patriots. Patriots have Brady, Edelman, the whole crew. Whole crew, they're loaded. And you guys show up in varsity jackets and then they kicked your ass on a Sunday night, <laughs> if I remember. What what was the... Is that the story? Do I have it pretty much summed up right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, you got more it. You, you it. nailed it. it. I mean, it was... It was <laughs> It was me and Sean Cody. And look at like I'm like I'm not ashamed of the letterman jacket. We we it's a cool we, idea. Yeah, like we we were a connected team. Like and like those yeah. little things on teams are fun. And me and Sean were like, yeah, like this is like we felt like a, a high school team, which is why we were so good. I mean, we were eleven and one. We went to go play them. And the funny part is, I cannot believe we convinced. 60 guys to buy the we that went back and like everybody bought yeah. their own letterman jacket get your own and they are sweet uh and so we all wore them you know because it's hot in houston so we need jackets to go down to new england um we thought we were gonna whoop their ass they whooped our ass um but yeah it was people still bring it up to to remind you what actually happened was we went there 11 and 1 we lost yeah we came back and I think we had to win two of the last four to have the number one seed. And we went one in three down the stretch. <sighs> we lost the number one seed, had to go back to New England in the playoffs and lost again. So everyone talks about the Letterman jacket, but I'll, I'll uh, I will say when I, when I stopped playing, my wife asked all my former teammates to like send little videos yeah. And every single guy from Houston made a little video and they like pulled out their le- like they had it still like, oh, still still letterman jacket. Like, jacket. Yeah. yeah. So So there's a at the time it was well, who are these pun you know, yeah. all the torque shows? They're like, no, nah, it was a cool memory. Yeah. It's something we all have together. All it, exactly. Just, it ended up being a cool memory that we we still mess around about joke about. Um you guys were rolling and then you signed with the Eagles in twenty thirteen. Was that Chip Kelly Eagles? What team was that? That was Chips, so Chip's first year. Uh, so we did, you know, everybody knows history. I think, well, if you don't know, Chip came for three years, the first two years, we won 20 games. Uh, and then the third year, so everything fell apart. Um, and then I was here with Doug Peterson's first year. Uh, mm-hmm. and then I left and then Doug won the Super Bowl the year after. And you go to coach with, uh, play for our mutual friend, Sean McVay. I only say mutual friend. I'm at McVay's wedding and who's there across the table from me, Mr. Connor Barwin. And we were hanging there, uh, and I remember when you got to LA, they were like, this guy, this guy's going to be a coach or a GM or be the commissioner. I mean, I remember Sean was just blown away with the professional that you were. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I would love to win a Super Bowl with the Eagles that year, but uh, I, I am so thankful that I got to go out there and play with Sean and, and Witt and, and Aaron. And I mean, Jared Goff. I mean, there's so many good guys on the team. This was unbelievable. Got to know you out there. Um, 
So, you know, it was, it was really, I mean, we, if you remember, we were a really good team that year. We, yeah. we lost in the playoffs. Falcons, right? Farrell Cooper. What's up, Farrell? Mm-hmm. You know, hope you're doing well. He, I think we had two turnovers on special teams and like we defensively couldn't get the ball. It was just, I still, it's, I still say to people that was probably one of the best teams of, of my 10 years. That was, that might've been the best team. That was the best team. That was the best team I was on. Saturday night playoff game. The Falcons had just been to the Super Bowl, but they got back and it was that year that it was like everything was clicking for the Rams. You're right. Farrow had a couple of mistakes on special teams. And then I think Julio killed you guys. Like yeah. he just kept on making a bit one big play after another. And that's a team that no one remembers because the following year or two years later, they go to the Super Bowl and then they finally win one. But like that first year, the first McVay year, you were there for that ride. Yeah. Yeah. We were all, I mean, Todd had an insane year. Todd Gurley was like unstoppable. Um, yeah, it was at the Coliseum Saturday night. We lost to the Falcons. Yeah, we we defensively wasn't good enough. But I think I think the Rams went to the Super Bowl the following year and lost. Was it McVay's yep. second year? And then the next yep. year they won the Super Bowl. Or two years later, they, lost, they went they went back down and then they came back. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, they lost to the Packers in a playoff game of COVID. They won, but you were there for the start of it. Um, Giants for a year, and then you're like, I'm done. Right? Is that yeah. my career? Yeah. And then it's what now? Yeah, so then I, I sort of, I always knew I wanted to be close to football. Just like I love, like I said, I mean, I love football, but I always know I want to do some, some other stuff. And so Howie, you know, said, hey, when he cut me, he said, hey, when you're done playing, come work for me. Um, and so I did that. And so I started working full time with the Eagles in 2020. And then at the same time, I went to uh, Wharton and, and got my MBA. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. During the COVID season, you're working for the Eagles in the building or remotely in the building? During the COVID season, congrats, you know, credit to, to Roger, Roger Goodell and everybody that we like, we we did it during COVID. It was yeah. crazy. Um, but yeah, I was in the building in 2020. I, and then I started business school the year after in 2021. And you're going to classes physically at Wharton at University of Pennsylvania. Yeah. 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 On the weekends. What you, on the weekend. What's the MBA? What was it for? Um... Just so I could figure out how to put out a Christmas record and <laughs> be successful, you know? <laughs> so I have to imagine you were interacting with incredible classmates and peers, but probably were learning from just, you know, uh, leaders of the industry. Yeah, that was, it, was a, it was an unbelievable experience. Um, so many great professors, so many good friends now. Um, it, was, it was probably the hardest thing I ever did in my life. It was, it was harder than my rookie year. It, it was actually, yeah, it was. I mean, it was so challenging. Like what, like group projects? What are we talking about? Uh, you always hear about these players going back to school and I'm like, oh, but like to go to Wharton, is not like I'm getting my degree on university of Phoenix.com or something. This is yeah. like the real deal. You went and got an MBA from Wharton. Yeah. Like, like tests. I mean, like <laughs> microeconomic <laughs> tests and like accounting tests and research papers. And yeah, I mean, I think the group stuff, I thrived in the group setting because yeah. like I know how to work with the team and what my strengths are. Like, I, I think, I think I, helped some of my other classmates in those sort of uh yeah. environments but no it was like I, I don't know how to do math you know you gotta i gotta learn how to do math uh so but happy i did um i mean it's i gotta get you know uh, annie wilson uh was a marketing professor i took uh I took okay. a consumer behavior class and the, the rollout of this record from the artwork to how we put it out i just like copied everything i learned from that class into into that record so uh give us those lessons what was it you need to have because like the the album cover if you're listening and not looking the album cover almost looks like a peanuts cover it's got an animated three faces it's myelotta kelsey 
um, and Lane Johnson, and then it's got a Christmas tree. But there's more to just the album art. Yeah. There's a rollout and promotion. And what did you learn from Andy Wilson? A Andy Wilson. Um, I mean, it's, it's a combination of things. I mean, on the rollout, you sort of what she sort of taught us was first sort of the, like the, the slowly dripping out the content, creating the story, the sort of three tier pricing. People, you know, probably don't want to hear about this, but how you anchor somebody. No, this is interesting. Yeah, you anchor somebody on something. For example, we we charged people three things last year. And again, this is all for charity. So I felt like it was yeah. a good thing. So for, um, you could buy magnets of okay. the guys, but we said they cost $25 to buy. It really cost okay. us like a couple dollars sure. to make. But in your mind, you're like, oh, that's worth $25. Then you charge a record, you know, the final record is 75. Um, and so people are like, all right, that's worth 75. And then you put a bundle together. People don't realize when they go to Costco, it's all just <laughs> bundling. And then you sort of like, and then we had, then we had something really expensive and then we sort of brought it together and people think like, Oh, I'm going to buy that. Cause I'm saving all this money. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. All we, three just, together. We, we just made it all up. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, and it's all for charity. So yeah. it's great. But like that kind of stuff where it's not just, all right, here's a vinyl record, $50. Yeah. And here's a picture of my lot on the cover. Yeah. Boom, go buy it. Like there's an actual process. Well, and even, even more so what I was really getting to is we studied this like cool framework. If you go to some business schools, they teach you like what cool is. And, and this is sort of like being able to pull from, you know, the most famous iconic record cover, uh, but not infringe on any of sort of their, their uh, IP mm -hmm. is like if people ever study Supreme, like, that's what Supreme did. They stole all of that from now. I, we wouldn't say stole, but stole, but the like inspiration was inspired. other brands. So like this was yeah. all like inspired by the Charlie Brown Christmas, um, which I would have never thought of unless I took that class. So, okay. Um, Kelsey Lane and Mylotta, you said that Kelsey performs his own song. It's called, he penned it himself. It's called Santa's night. Did you, did, uh, because it's not a goof. This is not an Adam Sandler doing like goofy tunes. This is like actual Christmas carols and the guy's voices sound wonderful. And I saw the Jordan Davis clip. He sounds like, yeah. you know, it's beautiful. Like it's Sunday choir. Did you know these guys could sing? How did it come about? So I knew, I knew Jason could sing. I knew Jason, uh, you know, was, I just, I didn't know he would write a song. Um, I knew Jordan could sing because he was on The Masked Singer. I knew Lane. I, Lane is like a freakly talented person. Um, just like in all, everything. Like, I think of Lane, he's in a cabin somewhere in Oklahoma and like, that's like, and then he comes out and he can do just anything he needs to do yeah. in, in that moment. <laughs> like we, we were, he, he can like, like this, he can like do an impersonation of anybody. He can like look at someone and do this like crazy, like look alike. He just like, he, he'll pull things from movies from 15 years ago. So like that sort of genius. Um, but I knew, I knew they all could sing. Uh, I knew Jordan Davis could sing just from the draft. Like in my role now, I'm involved in sort of the, the draft process. And like, I knew the back music background with him. And in this year, we sort of wanted to sort of open it up and get more people involved. And, um, it was really cool to have him involved and, and you heard his voice. It's, it's unbelievable. Well, let's stop you right there. Cause while we have you on the podcast, Connor, here is Jordan Davis's version of have yourself a merry little Christmas. In olden days, happy golden days of your faithful friends who are 
to us, gathered near to us once more. Through the years we all will be together, if the fates see Jordan Davis, 340-pound player. How did you know he had that voice? Just interviewing him and reading up on him and the whole process. I mean, we get to know, you know, these guys really, really well. And I think, you know, organizationally, not to get in my role too much, but we believe the football season is long and hard and we want to embrace these guys' other interests, right? Because think of like the great athletes you've been around they usually have something else that they're interested in you know obviously sports is the main thing but they have something some sort of creative outlet or you know just an outlet from football that they go to and sort of brings them joy and confidence and so we, we try to you know encourage the guys to lean in on that a little bit and like getting jordan to lean in on his sort of you know what he likes to do around music uh in this way with this record was a really, really good opportunity. What is the role you do now? Because you go from assistant to the general manager to more of a, I almost, I almost think of it and there's so many great guys in your role around the league. Um, but it's not like a camp counselor of sorts, but you're the mentor in the building who I played the game, but I can also be, you know, this, your sounding board. And I'm also still employed by the team. It's kind of this weird bridge, right? Well, so you're thinking I'm in a player engagement role, which different role, okay. different role, but I, but I work hand in hand with player engagement and, and those people in those roles are awesome. They do exactly yeah. what, what you do, what you, what you said. I, you know, I'm in player development, which is something how we started six or seven. So what is player development? Cause I don't even know that title. Yeah. It's like a secret in Philadelphia. <laughs> um, yeah, so I can't give you all the de- I can't give you everything we do, but um, yeah, I mean, we're I'm focused, my focus in, in collaboration with the coaches, the performance staff, Howie, everyone is, I would say, sort of the, the bottom part of our roster. Whereas, if you look, you know, in the NFL, everybody is so focused on the guys that are playing. And we are here, obviously, of course, but uh, sort of me and, and a group of people were sort of trying to sort of build a little bit from the bottom up and make sure those guys that aren't playing are getting the same attention, coaching, feedback, support that we give, you know, the, the 45 guys that are playing on Sunday. So, you know, when they're ready, when their opportunity comes, you know, they're ready to, to step in and play and, and take advantage of the opportunity. You've been there since 2020, so you were there for the entire Jalen Hurts rise to stardom. Uh, you're there every day with him. He doesn't give much to the media. He doesn't really do the look at me, look at me, Instagram Live, Facebook Live, all that stuff. What kind of guy is Jalen Hurts, and what have you seen as far as leadership qualities go? Well, Jalen's obviously awesome. I think Jalen is is a perfect example of what we try to, what you want, what you want everybody to do. 
you know, and that's sort of understanding um, sort of small, gradual improvements. People ask me about Jalen. I say it's just like a, he is uh, an example of compound interest. Like I was here with him for two years and the guy, nothing me. I mean, he just had it. Like he was just so focused that every week he got a little bit better. Every month, he, every month he's been here, he's got a little bit better. And sort of, you saw last year, it just sort of, it was going, it was going, and then it went like this. And like, that's what happens. If you can sort of have sort of this short-term focus on getting just a little bit better every day, every week, while having sort of a long-term vision of where you want to go and stick to it, you know, anybody, you know, can really, it'll pay off after, you know, after some time. Uh, and he's a great example of that. Last year, you guys went to the Super Bowl. You come up just short. This year, you start off red hot. We're recording this after the San Francisco game. What makes this team different from last year's team? Because I know everyone just looks at it and it's like, oh, well, the Eagles, same squad. But every team we know and every locker room is different year to year. What is kind of the defining quality of this year's? Well, I think we're just getting into it. You know what I mean? I think you said it. Uh, I mean, it's just a lot of different players, different people. I mean, the core, the core is still here. But I mean, this is the part of the season when you when you find out. Um, so, you know, best record in football right now. Um, but now now it's like, you know, the, the season starts here. So we're excited. We got Dallas this weekend. Uh, one more question about the album before we let you go. Uh, the first album included a dramatic uh, reciting of A Night Before Christmas by Meryl Reese, <laughs> who's the voice who is the voice of the radio, the the Eagles. And then you had Zach Miller of Dr. Dog on piano. And that came out last year. This year, the 2023 album, and like the timing couldn't be more, I would almost say eerie, Jason and Travis Kelsey covering the Pogues' fairy tale of New York. Of course, the Pogues' lead singer, Shane McGowan, just passed away last week. Um, kind of eerie, almost poetic. And yet we've got Jason and Travis singing a Pogues song. Uh, on an album that's coming out the same week that the lead singer just passed away. It, it it was eerie and, you know, it, it was really, it was really nice that Shane, it, it, this was crazy in here. His last public tweet was uh, about the cup, you know, which the rewrite that Shane and, and Kelsey or Kelsey, Jason and Travis did about Get this sort of, of iconic Christmas song and him sort of like, supporting it which was so cool um the song is is uh, it's like on top of a bunch of different charts right now people are loving it um so yeah uh it was it was really cool to get his uh, approval on that and then sort of hear that he he liked it uh before he passed but obviously shane's a legend and so to get that from him was incredible and then i have to say you know on on the record there's uh you know, we have the dreidel song coming out. Talk about it. With, Talk about it. I think this is important for my for my fellow Jewish listeners. Howie Roseman is on the song. And this is dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. Yeah. I made out of clay. It's That's the, the dreidel song? It's the best music you've ever heard of the dreidel song. Who performed it? Uh, I mean, there's too many musicians to name. But it's all <laughs> is it really? Is, is this like a Live Aid thing? Like every, everyone got together and performed on this? Every song is like Live Aid. There's a whole band <laughs> for every song. Uh but yeah, the the dreidel is like is Jason, Jordan, Lane, and Howie doing gang vocals on the whole thing. Get out of here! You could hear Howie's voice. You could hear Howie's voice, and then we have Little Dicky does a little intro. Yes, 
It comes out. Dave's bird. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It comes out on Thursday or Wednesday night, the first night of Hanukkah. I believe it was Thursday night. Um, happy early Hanukkah. And uh, so that's a highlight coming up. So wait, is Little Dicky rapping on it? What's he little, does, is, he just he... does like an intro, but he does a full intro. If you want to hear the full intro, you got to buy the vinyl. There's a longer okay. extended intro. Because I saw on Spotify, the song is out. It's like a little snippet of it, but I couldn't hear Howie's voice on it. I got to download the whole thing or buy the whole album. Yeah, yeah. You got to buy the vinyl so you hear the whole thing. Or this the, the Little Dicky will be a little bit on the digital release on Hanukkah. Um, so that's a cool part. The Santa's night thing, everybody, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, Kelsey. So he pens a he pens a Christmas carol. I mean, Listen, like, this guy, really? this guy, like the season ends, right? And it's like cold in Philly. We lose the Super Bowl, and, and he tells the story. Um, and he's sitting there with his youngest, and he can't get her to stop crying. And then he starts thinking about Santa, and like, man, it must suck to be Santa on Christmas night. Like, fuck, I got to deliver presents to everybody in one night. Like, that's got to be that's no fun. And so he writes this song about how it is to be Santa on Christmas night, but but correlates it to like being a football player and a parent yeah. and saying it's all worth it in the end because of the joy. It's like this, it, it is beautiful. And I remember, it is beautiful. I I think about he, the sacrifice that you guys make, uh, <laughs> you know, not only in your careers, but like at the house and not being around for a lot of key moments. And I'm sure you've missed a million key moments, but you're doing it for the greater cause. Yeah. And I just, for me, it was probably in, I don't know, May. I'm in the locker room in the summer. He's here working out in the morning. He's like, hey, Connor, I wrote a poem. Like, maybe, maybe it's a song, but probably not. And I'm like, all right, well, let me, let me, let me hear it. And he's literally, it's just me and him sitting in the locker room. And he's like hitting up a, a box, like to give it like the melody. And he's, and he just sort of says it and sings it. And I'm, and I was like, are you kidding me dude you just wrote, it was beautiful yeah it was, i knew right away i was like dude you just wrote like a, a beautiful christmas song i don't know how you did it but that's amazing um so people can hear it now santa's night awesome. santa's night written and performed by jason kelsey yep yeah very cool uh connor before we let you go tell us more about vera y record label and the production work that you're doing because i feel like this is just the start yeah yeah it's it's sort of Again, we, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to figure it yeah, out. No. Um, I, you know, that's very humble when you've got the Wharton MBA. And you've got two hit hit albums. Like you're doing all right. Yeah, yeah. I was. I know that I got a lot to learn. Um, but yeah. So, so you know, we had to own the the. You know, we had to have a company, and so we started a company. And me and Kelsey Vera's my daughter's name. Kelsey's first daughter's name Wyatt. So Vera Wyatt Records. Ah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, we're we're, we're working on this record. We're working on a show. We're working on a movie. So there's 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 a lot sort of in the pipeline right now that I'm really excited about. We'll we'll talk about it off off air because you might be able to help. Yeah, I definitely can help. Um, guys, everyone who wants to get this a Philly special Christmas special 2023, um, the Philly special Christmas team last year raised 1.25 million dollars for local Philadelphia charities. Connor, I think it's awesome work, but. I also think you're an awesome guy and a great representative of the NFL and uh, for the holidays, of course, but the fact that you're always working and trying to expand things and give players a bigger opportunity to show their talents and, and be able to provide for charities is just cool stuff. Peter, I appreciate that. You, you do an awesome job. Uh, and, you know, I, th I think you sort of hit it like that's for me. I think I've been my whole 10 years I played. I just appreciated how awesome the people in the NFL are. And, you know, Jason, 
there's been one person I work with a lot, but it's, it's Lane too, it's Jordan, it's, it's other people. Uh, and just trying to help them sort of like do sort of the creative things they have in, in their mind, like bring them to fruition. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been fun for me to try to do that. Let's sell a lot of these albums. Let's help charities. And I look at, I, I'm, I, as a, I'm not biased here, but if the dreidel song becomes the hottest single in the country, I'm not going to be angry about this. <laughs> it's good. It's listen. I did a lot of research, uh, listening to a lot of dreidel songs. Yeah. Not a lot of great dreidel songs. No, they are sort of like, like this. You call it in a little bit for kids. This one, like the music is just like sort of Bo Diddley sort of thing here that we got going yeah. on. It is fun. Like you want to dance when you hear it. Like it is, it is awesome. I can't wait. All right, Connor Barwin, thanks for joining the podcast, man. This is awesome. Thanks, Peter. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Connor Barwin was great. Aaron, you've got a musical background. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I also um, have a, a behavioral econ background, and so him talking about like price anchoring and all that, I I get off on all of that. I I love that. That is as soon as he said anchoring, I was like, oh, all right, I'm in on this. Uh, he's a Wharton grad. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> he talks about the professor, and her name is obviously Annie Wilson. We find out afterwards. I'm like, oh, Andy Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, 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 Annie Wilson. Um, <laughs> but like, he kind of buried that in the day that like, oh, I went to Wharton and got it. I mean. For the listeners, if you don't know, it's the number one business school in the world. And I'm sure he's rubbing elbows with hedge fund managers and people who are running Spotify or whatever else. Um, so I just, I like diverse, interesting, curious guests. And I think Connor's story is so unique and uh, is different. And the fact that he's now still with the Eagles and this... What I would say is almost sounds like a shady job. Like he didn't want to explain what he does. Yeah, but basically, yeah he was very coy. <laughs> and he's like, oh, it's just us somewhere. Yeah, I can't talk about it. Take all that, take all that, you know, fight club shit somewhere else. We're on the podcast talking about your Christmas album, dude. Um, I, I really like Connor and I've gotten to know him a little bit. And uh, obviously we hope that the album sells well. Uh, that's that. This is Delivering Results presented by Uber Eats. It's time for Delivering Results where we give it to the best player of the week. I'm going to give it to Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel had three touchdowns. He had two of them receiving, one of them rushing. He also talked a bunch of smack leading up to the game and then backed it up and was the best player on the field. He got my game ball on Good Morning Football and he's also getting this award here. Uh, when you talk about that game and all the buildup and all the chatter, like for Debo to come out there and be as tough as he was and to be as strong as he was and to back up every last second of it, that's pretty impressive. That was the delivering results presented by Uber Eats. We can get almost, almost anything. The official on-demand delivery partner of the NFL order now. Aaron, we've got a great week ahead. Eagles-Cowboys week, Chiefs-Bills week. I'm here for it. Uh, this is, we've turned the corner. You know, the dog days of that stretch, like before Thanksgiving, we are here. The playoffs basically are starting, uh, and I love sharing it each week. It is the season with Peter Schrager, Aaron Wong-Kaufman, Jason English, all the folks out in L.A., uh, our music maestro, the great Jack Rudd. Uh, this is this is a joy to do, and uh, we'll be with you guys next week. All right, thanks for listening. 
The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 